my name is Efren Pena. For those of you new here, visiting us or watching us online, I'm the campus pastor here at Southfield Santa Clarita. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning. We are in the midst of uh, week two of our new series titled Four Short Words, a simple way to make sense of the Bible. Uh, and as I mentioned last week, in addition to the Word of God, in addition to Scripture, uh, we use several different resources uh, that uh, kind of help us kind of navigate our series and we get information from. And if that is of interest of you on the screen there, you have uh, those resources that are good reads. Or if you have any questions, you can definitely ask me uh, at your convenience. But we are in this incredible series, and if you missed last week, the first part of the series, uh, I want to encourage you to find it online. You can go to our webpage at southfields.org slash Santa Clarita, and you can listen to our, uh, our podcast, or you can go and watch the video uh, of last week's message, which would be, was very, very insightful. Um, so let me, let, me, let me start here. You ever been away from your family? Uh, overnight, whether it's one night or several nights, and try to FaceTime them um, to say goodnight, but the connection wasn't really good. The connection wasn't good at all. Their faces kept freezing and their uh, responses were lagged. And it was just like it brought about so much uh, frustration, right? The buffering drove you crazy, right? The communication was jumbled Words were missing. You spent half of the time saying things like, are you there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Or you're cutting in and out. I, I, I can't really hear you. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. What was that? And it's become so frustrating, right, to be on the other end. And you're trying to communicate. You're trying to talk, but you cannot connect. We all hate this, right? But when you cannot have the real thing, the thing in person, sometimes it's better to have any connection than no connection. So, so we settle. We settle for it because what choice do we have? We have a longing. We have a desire to connect with that person on the other side. And, and if this is all we got, then it's better than nothing. There's distance. There's a distance between us and someone we love. And the only way to bridge that gap is to bring something between you and that person. In this case, a device, right? A device. The problem is that sometimes the device helps and it is awesome. And sometimes it just, it just gets in the way. But the relationship the relationship is so important to us. So what do we do? We, we, we just endure it. We endure it through it, knowing it's a temporary solution. We only have to do this thing long distance until we can personally be close together. We can personally close the gap and finally be together again in the same space, face to face. Our church, this happens, this happens in the physical sense as well. But it can also happen emotionally. It can also happen emotionally as well. You can be physically present, 
physically present, right, with someone, but yet still feel miles apart. They could be right there in the room with you, but you can feel like they're so far from you because the truth is proximity doesn't produce intimacy. Proximity doesn't produce intimacy. You're in the same room or laying in the same bed, but there's a universe. There's a universe between you and tension filling up all of that empty space. You feel disconnected, and it's obvious that something is is wrong here. When you begin digging around to diagnose, figure out the problem, it's almost always because someone did something. Someone did something. Someone, something happened. Someone said something that pushed you and them apart. Maybe, maybe even changed and altered the, the relationship. It's hard enough when we experience this in our relationships with each other. But what about, what about when it happens with our relationship with God? What happens then? Have you ever felt like there's something between you and God? Maybe you didn't even know what it was, but it prevented you from having any peace or connection with him. Have you ever felt like you're just tossing prayers up into space? not really knowing if it's making any leeway, if it's getting to where it needs to get to. Like connecting with God is like a bad FaceTime call. His face is frozen and you have no idea if he's hearing you, if he's understanding you, or how he feels about what's going on about, or what, what you're saying, or if he cares or plans to answer you. Sometimes it feels like you're the little kid speaking to your heavenly father. Hey, can you hear me? Are you there? Like, like I, I, did you, you're frozen. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't hear you. Did you hear what I said? Did you understand? Because you feel there's a gap. Last week we began building a simple framework for making sense of the Bible, and the truth is the story of Scripture is complex, right? It's complex, and it's elaborate, and, and, and it's easy to get lost in, in, the, in its details and its intricacies. There's so many things going on in the Bible, and, and yet some of it is interesting, but if, if you didn't read this part, then you won't understand this part, and, and how does this apply to your life? And you kind of, you leave it there, and there's books in there, you're like, I don't have a clue of what I just read. But its elaborate story can be broken down into four major movements or themes. And those themes can be summarized in four short words. Last week we began at the very beginning. In the first couple of chapters of Genesis, the beginning was all about of. Of. 
of was amazing, of was perfection in the Garden of Eden. When all was of, there was no separation, there was no division, nothing between. But of, of didn't last long. Of was short-lived. It was, it was, it was broken. More specifically, we broke it. So the story of us and God moves from of to between. From of to between. The second short word that we need to know and understand in this series to understand the Bible a little bit better is the word between. Why don't things work the way they should? Between. You see, something came between us and the one that created us. When that happened, everything that was once effortless and uh, natural became work and struggle, and especially in relationships. You see, in the beginning, there was nothing in between anything that mattered. Now there was something between everything that mattered most. Of didn't last forever, but it left a lasting imprint on us. We all have this sense that we are between what once was, should be, and what will be, what can be, and will be. We're stuck in the middle trying to make sense of the world and the life and ourselves and God. You see, we're stuck in between. But how did, how did we get there? How did we get to this point from of where everything was, was beautiful and everything was perfect? How do we get from of to feeling like things are not the same anymore? Things are a little bit confusing. Things are a little bit chaotic. Things are a little bit cray-cray. Even if, you're, even if you're not a church person or don't know much about the Bible, you've probably heard or know about the story. Adam and Eve eat a piece of fruit, and because of that, everything is wrecked. Because of that, everything goes cocoa for cocoa puffs, right? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted wisdom. They wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then, of course, she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he foolishly ate it as well. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shamed at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Uh, when you read this story, maybe it sounds a little crazy to you, but if you get hung up on the story, you'll miss the truth of what, what it's trying to tell us. Because whether the tree and the fruit were literal or metaphorical, the effects to us and the generations that will follow are undeniable. Instead of living life according to what God says is good 
and evil. Adam and Eve decided they wanted to be their own gods. They wanted to decide what was good and evil for themselves. In the process, they rebel against reality, against reality, and that never ends well. Truth is, we still do that today. We still do that today. God told them that it would cause death. But they looked, they looked at the fruit, and it looked good to them. It looked good, good to them. Friends, a lot of what looks good to us isn't good for us. A lot of what looks good to us isn't good for us. We all have these moments where instead of trying to figure out what God says is best, we just kind of do or we want to do whatever we want to do. What looks and sounds good to us. That's what it is. Well, that's what it means to eat the fruit. And when we do, the same thing happens to us that happened to Adam and Eve. Their eyes were open, their perspective shifted, but not how they expected or were promised. They saw and felt things, they saw and felt things they never had before. A space between them and God. A sense of shame, a feeling of insecurity, an impulse to run and hide and cover up. That moment, that moment in the garden changed humanity's term of engagement with God forever. At that moment when they chose to do for themselves, it went from of to between. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that they were banished, that they were banished from the garden. In other words, they were kicked to the curb. They were kicked to the curb. Of was broken, and now we were stuck in between. And the separation of sin, of what's between us and God, isn't just theological. It's deeply personal. Breaking our connection with God broke us. Breaking that connection with God broke us. It separated us. It took away what was already promised to us. And it caused a gap. But God in his love and his compassion desired a relationship with us. So much so that he began creating ways to close the distance, to close the gap between us and him. This week we let Noah go on a little mini getaway with her friend and, 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 and her friend's family. And it's been the longest two and a half days of my, Monica in my life. She's the baby. She's the little one, right? And if you ask the older one, she's the one that gets all the perks. They forget that they're older and they've received a lot of perks. But just two and a half days, Monica and I were like, oh, my God, what's she doing right now? 
on the way she's going. And so I have a 360. I'm like, wait, where, where is she? What are you doing? Whose house is that? Oh, there's a pool there. Oh, okay, right? There's this separation, and it's tough for us. She has never, ever been apart from us for more than, than one day, right, or one night. And so Monica and I are struggling through this. So we've made it our business to create ways, right, to communicate with her, to make sure that we are connected with her, right? There's a phone call, there's a text, there's a, a, a FaceTime, and, and we're every day. We're like, where are you? What you doing? Hey, hi. We send emojis. We text her. Or we follow her where she's at. And so we're constantly trying to create these ways to connect God is trying to do the same for us. He's creating ways or he created ways to connect with us. You see, when sin pushes us apart and comes between us, creating tension and separation, God still creates ways to connect with us. Until the moment when he, when he can finally come close to us, and be in our presence, he makes ways for us to know and experience him. And that's the story of the rest of the Old Testament. That's the story of the rest of the Old Testament. It's a story of in-betweens, right? Of the sin and brokenness between us and God. And it plays out like a broken record. People close to God, and then they find themselves away from God, right? They, they come back, and it's good, and it's awesome, and then they make mistakes, and they choose differently, and then they put a wedge between themselves and God, and they walk away, and then it's bad again. They can't seem to ever get it right, uh, to ever get it right for very long. It becomes obvious pretty quickly that it's not the Father who stepped away. It's not God who kind of made himself distant from them. But in fact, it's actually us. We were the ones who walked away and created this between. You see, humanity, humanity was always on the move but never quite coming home. The people longed for a way back home. God was ever-present, but always seemed distant. Still, he continued to build bridges while they built walls. He was willing to do whatever it took to close the gap between us and him. And that is the beauty of scriptures. The Old Testament is not just the story of the gap between us and God, but of God bridging between through covenants, commandments, temples, priests, and kings, and prophets, each one designed as a way to help us understand and connect back to him. Let me show you what I mean. He originally started that connection with commandments and covenants. Commandments and covenants. The Old Testament covenant was a conditional contract with terms, conditions, and expectations for everyone involved. It essentially said that if you do this, then I will do that. And that was the contract. 
If you do this, then I will do that. In other words, if the people did this, then God would do this for them. But if you don't, then I won't. One of the most famous covenants was between God and Abraham. God and Abraham, God promises in Genesis 15 that he, that if he, he being Abraham, would trust him, he would form a nation from Abraham's descendants and bless all people through him. And shortly after, Abraham was, was given a son. That son was Isaac, and Isaac was given uh, a, a son as well. And that son was called Jacob, and Jacob's name uh, changed, uh, Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. He had 12 sons, and they formed the 12 tribes of Israel, which eventually became the nation of Israel. So within a couple of generations, God upheld his covenant, his promise to Abraham that if he did this, then he would do that. And that's the tough thing about entering into a contract, friends, with God. He doesn't struggle with the follow-through. We do. We struggle with following up or upholding our end of the deal. In fact, the chosen people weren't perfect, like at all. They rebelled. They disobeyed. They made mistakes. They did their own thing and repeatedly broke all of their promises and covenants with God. This becomes the pattern in the whole Old Testament. They're faithless, and God is faithful. They break promises, he keeps them. They don't even do the bare minimum, and God goes above and beyond. But in the garden, there wasn't a need for covenants, and there was only one commandment, which kind of seems like, like, now that we read about it, it kind of seems like God set them up, set them up to fail. Why did God create the fruit in the first place? The commandment wouldn't have been necessary if the tree and the fruit didn't exist. But I want to speak into that real quickly. For love, for love to exist, there had to be choice. There had to be choice. So God gives them a choice and he gives them a command. Breaking that command broke trust in that relationship. You follow? Something came between them and God. Something came between us and God. So because they rejected their connection and pushed God away, instead of abandoning them, Altogether, he gave them commandments, a set of principles to serve as a substitute in the very absence of his daily direction and real-time relational guidance. They provided basic wisdom about what it meant to be human, how to live a full life, and how to have healthy relationships. Over 600 600 commandments. Some of you just think about the Ten Commandments, right? We get that. But they progressed, and over 600 commandments and laws recorded in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were given to the people and shown how to live to help people live with God. 
when they could no longer see or hear or feel him. Every single one was written in love. But they were never, never the point. They were just, they were just a, a way between. They were just a way between. But it was incomplete. So God made another way. He made the tabernacles, temples, and priests. Right? The tabernacle, temples, and priests. You see, we humans, we are uh, sensory machines. We're sensory machines. We just are. If we cannot hear it, we cannot see it, we cannot smell it, if we cannot taste it or touch it, we have trouble relating to it. We have trouble relating to it. Obviously, God knows this about us. He created us. So he told his people to construct a tabernacle, later a temple, as a physical reminder of his spiritual presence. They were physical spaces created for spiritual experiences. Like the covenants and commandments, they too, they too were a bridge, a go-between. God once walked and talked with people in the garden. Now he was limiting his presence to one room that only the high priest could enter one day a year. This was the way that God chose to bridge the gap between his unwavering perfection and ever-growing sinfulness and our ever-growing sinfulness. So the people, what did they do? They gathered in the temple regularly to worship, making sacrifices to offload the weight of sin. We often think about the sacrifices that were made as something that people did for God. But it wasn't for God, church. It was for us. Each sacrifice was a celebration lovingly crafted by God to heal people's hearts and demonstrate that despite the brokenness between them, God was greater and would always make a way to connect. And it worked. It worked for a while until it didn't. Eventually, the feast and sacrifices weren't enough for the people. They wanted ongoing connection, uh, tangible connection, correction, and protection. And so God responded with judges and kings. God began appointing judges to guide and guard them. But the Israelites, what they really wanted, they really wanted what everybody else had. They wanted what everybody else had. They wanted a king. They saw it as a symbol of status, validation, and the solution to their problems. In 1 Samuel 8, 5, 9, it says, Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. And the Lord said, do everything they say to you, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. 
Verse 9, do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. And so God, God let them have their way. But that didn't go well. There were a couple of bright spots, right? a couple of good kings, but of the 42 rulers of Israel and Judah, only 10, only 10 were good. And most of them were just, they weren't just bad. They were just flat out evil. Still, Israel had trouble shaking their obsession with politics. They were convinced that the right leader, the right leader will solve everything. But catch this. God never intended to solve spiritual, our spiritual problems with political solutions. That's, that wasn't in the plan. That's never been part of the plan. He's never wanted to answer your spiritual questions or bring solutions to your spiritual desires and needs through politicians. So as the kings fail, God does something new. He sends prophets. Prophets. A prophet was a messenger who spoke on God's behalf to refocus uh, his people on who he is and how best to live. Unlike their kings, the people didn't choose their prophets. God did. And they varied styles and approaches, and, but shared one common message. And that was to repent. Repent. If you keep doing life this way, there will be consequences. You don't want them, and God doesn't want that for you. But they're coming. They're coming unless you rethink your position and redirect your actions. It didn't matter. The people mostly ignored them. And finally, finally, God went silent. God went silent for 400 years. 400 years, right? 400 years, God is silent. There wasn't a, 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 a single new commandment or covenant, he didn't speak through a priest or a prophet, a judge or a king. Generation after generation chose not to listen. So God chose not to speak. But this isn't just the arc of the story of Scripture. It's the arc of our story as well, church. The four words we're using to make sense of the Bible don't just describe the universal human experience with God, but our own personal experience with God. And when it comes to us and God, between is probably the experience that most of us are most familiar with. In the New Testament, Paul puts words to it. In Romans 7, 15, 19, and 24, he says, I want to do what is right, but I don't. I want to do, I really do, 
I want to do what is right, but, but somehow I still wind up doing what is wrong. Ever felt that way? I'm sure many of us have, if not all of us. Like we're, we're at war with ourselves. Paul's saying, Paul's going on and he's saying, man, I know who, I know who I'm supposed to, to, to be. I know who I'm of, right? But that's, but that's not all that's inside of me, right? There's, there's this other part of me that, that kind of gets in the way, that, that just wants what it wants, that wants to do its own thing. I need help from, from outside of me to be the best of me. Church, here's the truth. Sin isn't just a force in the world. It's a force in you and in me. There will always be a part of you that tries to come between you and God. And when that doesn't happen, you've achieved perfection. And I'm sorry to tell you that perfection is only when we get to heaven. And every time, church, it happens, sin fills the between with shame. Sin fills the between with separation. Sin fills the between, leaving us broken and scared and scarred because the truth is centering our lives around ourselves and not God leaves us aimless, leaves us alone and in agony. Not because God is punishing us. That's not the God that we serve. He's not about punishing us, but because we are made for connection with Him. And when we are out or we are without that connection, our lives do not work the way they were intended to work the way he created us to work in connection with him. And we won't feel right until that happens, until we have reconnected with him. That eternal battle is a lot for a person to carry around. Let's be truthful. It's a lot for us to carry around. Everyone experiences it the way uh, the word uh, experiences, whether they have words for it or not. When you read Psalms, that's all it is, right? Page after page, echoing the part, our part of our struggle, expressing the struggle of our souls in between. There are moments when we're asking God for direction. There are moments when we're asking God to eliminate our enemies. There are moments of God where, where the, the Psalms is, uh, is just saying, God, I, I'm so confused. I need you now more than ever, right? They, they, there's so much going on. The psalm is, is a, uh, the psalm is a confession, admitting our sin and processing our pain with God. Bob, I just skipped down a few, okay? The psalm is a confession, admitting our sin and processing our pain with God. King David wrote these words after he committed adultery and murder. 
right? He was writing the book, the book of Psalms, and, and so he wrote these words after he had just committed adultery and murder. His life was absolutely falling apart. And he realized, man, this is going on in my world, and I need God to intervene. But you don't have to blow up your family and murder someone to feel these words, church. They're a cry of between. And I love that it's all in there, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. The Psalms make it clear that we don't need to clean up or edit our feelings or our language before coming to God. You come to God the way you need to come to God. And you say and you speak exactly. It's not coming to God. doesn't require you to speak the eloquent words, have the right words to say, to speak in Christianese. I remember when my wife started first praying and I just knew and I was like, I don't have a clue of what she's saying. She sounds beautiful, but I don't have a a clue. And even today, my conversations with God are just downright gritty. You see, God can handle it and he even desires it. We're not too much for him. He wants a relationship with us. So let me wrap this up this morning. What you see when you read the scriptures is that confession is how we close the gap of disconnection between us and God. Confession. That's how we close the gap of disconnection between us and God. A lot of the suffering in our lives comes from not just committing the sin, but from carrying it around. Learning to live connected to God isn't just about living a sinless life. Because it won't happen. It's about becoming more aware of your sin and shortening the lag shortening the lag between time between sin and confession shortening that time between your sin and your confession church the longer we carry our sin around the longer we're forced to live in this space between between burden and freedom, shame and peace. And I could bet every dollar in my pocket you don't want to live with that burden. You don't want to carry that shame. I believe with all my heart that we all want to live in freedom and peace. The story of the Old Testament begins with the words, it is good but ends ends with the feeling that all is lost. It begins with of and ends with between. And yet in the silence, God was preparing a permanent solution that would change everything for everyone forever. 
in that silence of 400 years, God was still creating a way. God was still in love with his creation. He was still in love with us. He said, I need to do it one more time. I need to figure this out because I want my people to know that they are loved. And so he creates new way and not to give it away but spoiler alert if you skip all the way to the New Testament God ultimately settles the gap through Jesus Christ through Jesus I can't help but swallow up in tears because my story doesn't end in my shame my story doesn't end in my lack of my story doesn't end in my closet of sin. Because I've chosen to shorten that gap, that space between sin and confession. And I've asked him to forgive. Once Jesus came, the only gap that remains is the one that we create when we choose to stay in our sin and settle, settle for life at a distance. And so I wonder today, church, I wonder what you are carrying around that's keeping you from that kind of connection. From that kind of connection that you desire, that you were created that was embedded inside of us to want and to have with our God. Think about that. Because your origin didn't come from social media. Your origin didn't come from a political group. Your origin didn't come because these are the people that you hang out with. Your origin didn't come from anyone else other than God. He is your of. And he created you with a burning and a yearning desire to be connected to him. So deep down inside, no matter how much you want to front, deep down inside, no matter how much you want to fake it, behind all of that, hardcore you desire to be in connection with him because that's what you were created for and he has made a way to draw closer to you I heard this said after someone's dad died keep short accounts don't ever let anything stand between you and the people that you love you don't do not or you have no idea how long you've got and this isn't just true of you and others church it's true of you and God but the good news is that you don't have to wait for a special day you don't have to wait for a special place 
You don't have to find a special priest. Not anymore. The only thing that can separate you from experiencing the love of God is your refusal to embrace it. Your refusal to embrace His love. So here's what I want to invite you to do with me this week. Take five minutes, just five, five minutes before going to bed to replay the events of the day in your mind. So play it over in your, in your mind and in your heart and ask God to kind of highlight, to bring to your memory, right, those moments where you prioritize your way over his way. And ask him, ask him for forgiveness for your past and wisdom for your future. Because I wonder if, can you imagine if you did that, if we did that regularly, how different we would act, how different we would walk, how different our perspective on the world would be if we eliminated the relational lag time between us and God. I absolutely think that it would completely change your faith change where you are right now and where you're going tomorrow. Amen?